and welcome to another edition of the Leaders Performance Podcast. My name is John Porch. I'm the editor here at the Leaders Performance Institute. And normally, of course, David Cushman speaks first, but that's not the case today. Instead, I am joined by Matthew Stone, the content and product manager here at the Leaders Performance Institute, and Luke Whitworth, who is our content development manager. Hello, chaps. Uh, hello, hello, Luke. Hello, John. And you fellas have been over on the West Coast at our Leaders Sport Performance Summit in Las Vegas. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, so our debut in Vegas, um, we, we've been in Los Angeles for the last three years at uh, hosting the event at, at Red Bull in Santa Monica, so we thought it was time for a change. Um, and, you know, I've had some conversations with, with James Kimball uh, and, and the team uh, at UFC, and they've built this, you know, world-class facility um, over in Las Vegas, and we were lucky enough to, to, to be able to host our event there. And I've been hearing lots of good things about the facilities you went to as well. Uh, Luke, perhaps you could tell us a little bit about those. Yeah, absolutely. We were um, very, very privileged to uh, not only go to UFC on the Saturday, obviously, which Matt alluded to, but of course on the Friday uh, we had a half a day of think tanks and, and TED Talk style um, discussions as well at um, the Car Theatre, which is a Cirque du Soleil theatre, uh, which is hidden away in the corner of the, the MGM Grand as well. So. Um, another sort of high-performing environment, very lucky to be there. And a massive thank you should go to, uh, to Brian Bernstein for helping us pull that one off. Um, we always like to take people out of their comfort zones, and I think a lot of them were in a theatre of that size. And um, yeah, it was amazing, and it definitely added to the whole experience of being in Vegas. We had some great feedback on social media. What were your impressions of the two days, though? I think for me, it was a, uh, these one-day events or one-and-a-half-day events becoming uh, ever-popular. Um, we jam a lot in, a lot of content in, a lot of discussions in. I think the working groups and the roundtables worked uh, incredibly well. Uh, it gives the opportunity for the for the attendees to talk to one another. I think you know you go to a lot of events and you you, you do a lot of listening. Um, but with the with the great people we have in our network and the you know with the organisations that we have attend, it's a privilege to be able to just listen to them, talk to one another, and, and solve some challenges and some problems. So. Um, in terms of the, the day and a half, I think it's, uh, you know, it's very productive. Um, we know these guys are busy, but we're, we felt very fortunate to have them uh, with us for, for, for nearly two days. And what about the speakers themselves? Yeah, it, it was an eclectic mix of uh, different fields of excellence, wasn't it? We, um, we made it our kind of uh, our sort of duty to give it a Vegas feel to, to the programme. Um, and we had, we had all sorts on the day. We, we looked into the worlds of fine dining, we looked at the military, obviously with the, the Nellis training base in Nevada, uh, we looked at circus arts, we looked at obviously MMA and hockey and a bit of poker in there as well, so uh, I think we kind of touched nearly uh, every pillar that Vegas is very famous for as well and tried to bring all that back, back to the world of sport as well, so hopefully challenged a lot of people's thinking in the room. And Matthew, you wrote the key takeaways, they're available online on our Performance Hub. Anyone who wants to see those can visit www.leadersinsport.com forward slash performance. And anyone who read those key takeaways would understand that there was quite a lot of variety there. What in particular stood out? Um, I think you know, myself and Luke sat down before for the agenda and thought we put some themes throughout the day. Um, so we tried to, you know, a couple of put our sessions together and, and, and put them in the same bucket. So we had a Vegas hour, we had a leadership hour, a, a coaching hour, I think. Um, so yeah, there was, you know, like, like Luke said earlier, there was there was quite a variety. I think for me, um, always nice to have a, a military speaker. I think the comparisons into how they lead teams and lead individuals in their worlds, whether that's the Air Force or, or the Army, the Navy, Marines, etc. 
Um, it is always very powerful and, and very inspirational. So we had Robert Novotny, uh, General Robert Novotny, who's based at the Nellis Air Base just outside of Vegas. And, and he talked a lot about debrief. He talked a lot about how he communicates with his teams and um, you know, creates environments of high pressure for them to train in. So, so for me, we've had a lot of military speakers down down the years, and and you know, Robert was right up there. So, so thanks for him for for coming along. And it wasn't just the event, was it, chaps? You guys actually went and did some interviews for this podcast as well. Who can we expect to hear from? We did indeed. Yeah, we um, after the, the midst of the uh, of the summit, we we snuck away into the speaker room and uh, grabbed four people for a quick chat just to. Uh, collate some learnings and have a bit of a further discussion on some of the topics that uh, have been brought up throughout the day. So uh, myself, I spoke to, to Ian Yates, who's um, head of the National Performance Pathway for the LTA, uh, as well as having my own little mini uh, Cirque du Soleil roundtable with uh, Paul McGinley and, and Brian Bernstein. Uh, Paul, who heads up the performance medicine side, and, and Brian, the performance science team at Cirque as well. And uh, I know Matt caught up with Peter Vintel, our host for the day, who did an absolutely sterling job um, of knitting all the content together as well. So. We're just trying to collate what people took away from it and what they'd be going back to their organisation with afterwards. Sounds fantastic. And before we get to that, fellas, what's happening next in the Leaders Performance Institute? A lot, you know, it's uh, more and more events and more and more things as the years go on, which is great. Um, For us, in terms of, you know, flags in the ground next, we've got an event uh, around the topic of well-being. Um, it's one of our leaders meets events uh, on the 21st of May and that's hosted at Manchester City Football Club here in the UK Um, we've done an event every May for the last two or three years around a specific topic and I think the well-being event uh, will be as popular as ever Um, and we've already got quite a few UK based teams but also some from you know Australia and and the States signed up already so that's that's next in line Uh, and then we are flying off to Atlanta for another debut later in the summer uh, 25th, 26th of June, uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium, uh, home of the Atlanta Falcons and Atlanta United FC. Sounds fantastic. And of course, more information about all of that can be found once again at www.leadersinsport.com forward slash performance. Okay, shall we get on with this? We shall. Okay, it is the 2nd of March. Uh, we're, in, we're in Las Vegas, we're in the desert, it's been raining, as you can imagine, typical leaders event in the desert and it starts to rain. Uh, we've nipped away from the hustle and bustle of the first Elite Sports Performance Summit in, in Las Vegas and I'm actually here in the Chuck Liddell room, the speaker room, with, uh, with Ian Yates, uh, Ian's uh, head of uh, performance pathway for the LTA. Ian, we've come to the end of day one <laughs> of the Sport Performance Summit at Vegas, how did you find it? It's been a really good day. Um... As you said, typical British weather, so it always makes you feel <laughs> at home. But it's no, it's been good. Um, what I like about these days is, whilst you get a lot of information, you get it in short bites. Um, you get people that are able to distill key messages and really give you something to think about. Um, and obviously, it's great to have the opportunity to then just have those follow-up sessions, keep the t- you know keep the wheels turning throughout the day. So no, it's been a really good day once again. Brilliant. And the, the big question would be is. Um, the takeaways, what were the big takeaways today from the uh, rather large amount of sessions we had today, but hopefully stimulating at the same time? Yeah, yeah, no, they were. Um, the, I don't know if it's because it was towards the end of the day. I think the one that's currently in my head at the minute is around um, debriefing. Um, I thought it was an, a really good talk on the way the Air Force uh, are doing it in the US. Um, it really, we had a great discussion afterwards around 
the coach and the athlete, or the coach and the player, and, and how much time do they actually spend properly debriefing an intended game plan and then the execution. Um, so I think that's going to be a really key one for us to kind of consider how we bring that to life, working with young tennis players. Um, and the other one I really like that, I think, again, I'd, I'd love to work out the parallels with um, the guy at the end from the, the, the um, six-time world poker champion and listening to him talk about um, resetting himself in the moment and dealing with sort of the swings and the tilts in a poker match. Again, very similar to a, you know the situation in tennis where a young player can go through incredible highs and incredible lows, but at the end of the day, every point is worth one point. So how can they, in the moment, readdress things and go again? So, yeah, they're probably the two that are staying with me at the minute. Um, but no, I don't want to go back through my notes. It'll turn into another ten things. No, so I think um, the de- for me, debriefing as well stood out. I think when we think about the evaluation of, of performance, it was a... Uh, it actually fed through a lot of the content I felt today through a lot of the sessions as well. I mean, just just to give a bit of insight, I mean, you know, at the LTA, what does that what does that mean to you guys at the moment? I mean, how, what's your typical process around debriefing? And actually, could you is there anything you could uh, you know apply from what you've heard today? Do you think? No, for sure. We um, we review. I'm. I wouldn't say we thoroughly debrief in terms of what I heard today. I'm. We probably review in the moment, um, but I wouldn't say that we give ourselves enough time to do it properly. And I think, like I said, we, we think of it in the context of reviewing a strategy or, or reviewing attendance at an event. Um, but actually, for me, it's now more about how do you take that detailed concept and bring it to life with a coach and, and a player. Fundamentally, our job is to help players, and there's a lot to be learned that we can put into place there. Yeah, definitely. And obviously, uh, although it was day one of the sport performance yesterday, we obviously had a really good day yesterday, uh, a few hours at the at the car theatre in the MGM Grand. At, uh, well, it was remarkable, really, the, the, the Cirque du Soleil theatre there. You actually gave uh, one of our uh, one of the TED Talks looking into the, you know, how you guys are identifying and developing talent in tennis and giving that European perspective to a North American audience. I mean, for those of you obviously who weren't there, just, just give a bit of background on, um, you know, some of the key messages you were looking to, to, to put forward. Yeah, for sure. I mean, what an incredible venue. So to um, I really appreciate the uh, daunting opportunity to stand on that stage. I must admit I was expecting something a bit more uh, small and discreet, but hey-ho, I can tick that one off. Um, yeah, I think the main, the main point, if I reflect on a British system and, and a European perspective that I think we do really well, is we connect what our scouts see and learn through their processes with the coaching and the player development teams that go on and do the, the actual delivery and the improvement. Um, and that was probably a, a key message in terms of what I was trying to get across, which is you've got a, a group out there that are finding out lots of information on, on players in whatever team sport situation they may be looking into. But then how does that information follow the player? How can it be used to make the player better? Um, how does that inform what you actually want to do with them on a day-to-day basis? So I think that, that was definitely a key point for me. Um, the second was just around, um, you know, there's no magic bullet in terms of identifying talent. Um, I think we always seek having real uh, critical objective markers. Um, we're finding a, a great medium now between blending the art and the science. And obviously we're doing a, we're trying to change the language a little bit in terms of moving away from objective and subjective as if subjective is a bad thing mm. and just looking at how we make 
the most informed decision possible, therefore making them objective and removing as many biases as possible in terms of therefore reducing subjectivity. Um, so that shift in language, I think, allows us to feel confident and comfortable that coach observations can carry good quality information and are as good as the, the analytics or the data that we might get from, from match reports um, or you know some of the, the stats that live within our sport. So hopefully I got those two points across yesterday. But um, yeah, absolutely. Really good. I'm glad you mentioned language because one of the things that I was uh, really, really keen to, to kind of discuss was um, you know how there's, there's been the shifted language. You've obviously moved away from a objective and a subjective approach, um, trying to become more informed. Um, what I'm interested in is how are you doing that? What are some of the processes and practicalities that potentially, you know, some lessons out there? How, how are you making it happen? Um, I've, you know, I've, as we were talking earlier, I've, I've worked, I've been fortunate to work in a number of sports. Um, and one of the things that I enjoy the most that kind of led to the way that I think we're doing it is in my, I've had to learn a sport from scratch. Um, and the process of doing that has, has made sure that I've had lots of conversations with lots of people. Um, and in, the pro in, in doing that, you start spotting the common language and then you spot, start spotting where people might have a different interpretation. Um, so we've just built on that challenge and, and had real systematic conversations where we, we're thoroughly describing what we believe an elite player look, needs to look like, um, what we believe the components are, ensure that we can create some common language to, to give ourselves essentially the same hymn sheet mm. and then we've tried to bring that to life a little bit further and, and, and get into more creative conversations around well at each age and stage not saying we need to look for different things but actually what things are more important than others so you know a lot of it has been driven by those credible conversations with the right people in the organisation being coaches with 30, 40 years of knowledge to um, the sports science team or the data team that sit on a wealth of information. So it's been a real collaborative exercise, uh, but it's, it's essential for us in terms of how we are all on the same page in terms of what we're looking for. Yeah, that's great. And one thing I'll, I will ask you before we, before we head back to the bar to refuel, as I can see, you're getting a bit low on that uh, on that bottom side of there. But um, we're obviously uh, you'll be flying back to the UK. I mean, I'm going to ask you one question: Is on that flight back, what will be what will you be asking yourself coming away from the event? What will be going around in your mind? I know we spoke about takeaways to do with debriefing and um, you know, other elements from the day, but you know, what will you what will you be asking yourself? That's a very good question. Um, it wasn't pre-prepared either. Either. You didn't even give me a chance to reflect on it enough to, to come up with a good answer. Um, what I tend to do is I will go back through you know, the pages of notes that we all scribble away at these things and just really challenge myself to look at well, what are the one or two things that we can actually do something about it right now um, in the context that we're in. So there's always some uh, hugely inspirational things you hear along the way. Um, and some real amazing speakers at these things. But it's going, well, okay, whilst that is very, very interesting, what are we ready to actually do? And what will make the, the biggest single difference? So I might need another Modelo before I have the final <laughs> answer to that. But um, that, that'll be the process for me. It's, it's about, okay, 
these things are great and it's great to take the opportunity to step back but the most important thing is doing something about the information that I've got and, and I always want to step off the plane with okay come Monday morning who am I picking up the phone to to share that one nugget that I think in the next three to six months we can implement and do something about it so yeah. brilliant well I think it's, it is time to refuel and uh, we'll let you go but thanks thanks for all your support the last couple of days and also the help with the, the TED talk and uh, it was excellent so uh, thank you very much and then no uh, we'll catch up with you soon thank you Right, Matthew Stone here with today's compare, Peter Vint, uh, enjoying a Modelo and a, and a Corona after a successful event. Peter, what do you think? What's initial thoughts? I thought it was a really terrific event. I thought the, uh, the diversity of guests today was um, among the best leaders has, has put together for, for some time. Um, you know, drawing from the performing arts, we've done that before. Drawing from military, we've done that before. Drawing from elite sport, for sure. But pulling all these folks together in a day, and I, I think, as always, the the ability of these guests to really open up and share, and allow what they know to be not just heard, but in some ways felt by the audience, I think, was really exceptional today. Yeah, I, could, uh, I agree, and it's. Uh... It's, it's nice to have a diverse amount of sports in the room and, and cultures as well. You know, we had some Aussies, we had some Czech guys, you know, a lot of Europeans, and obviously a lot of uh, US guys. Um, you moderated a couple of sessions at the end, but away from them on, on, on the full, what, what do you think was the most impactful session for you? That's a good question. I mean, for me personally, I, uh, I felt Dr. Parham, uh, who spoke about ethnic wellness and uh, mentioned the ACE study and, and how the incidence and the sheer frequency of childhood uh, traumatic events affects everything about how people develop and ultimately what they present with as, you know, quote-unquote adults. Um, and we're expecting individuals to be free of, of things that are holding them back or that we perceive and easily label as problematic behaviors that ultimately have a much deeper root. Mm -hmm. And so for me personally, and certainly professionally, I, I've had now experiences where understanding the consequences of that and understanding that my staff and my high performance unit was entirely incapable of actually supporting athletes who were maybe struggling with things that we hadn't otherwise seen, that we were too quick to label as problem behaviors. Mm. Uh, I really appreciated his session. It was very almost heartfelt and very opening and, and, and welcoming to those who would care to actually listen. Dr. Parham, obviously one of the first in the role as director of, of mental well-being um, across US professional sport. He's with the MBPA. Um, and it, I think there's a lot of people out there that are going to agree that the, the well-being piece is is one that's at the forefront of high performance now. Um, little subtle plug: we've got a event in Manchester City on the, on on May twenty first around the topic of well being. But um, from your point of view, just to elaborate on that, Peter, how how impactful is the topic of well being now across sport, not just in the US, but um, you know across the world of high performance? I think it's it's coming more and more uh, at the forefront of people's minds. Well, it is, and I, I think for a number of reasons. One and the easiest is that it's just the right thing to do. It's it's a recognition that <clears throat> athletes are, are whole people and being able to understand all facets of, of who these individuals are as they compete at the highest levels of sport 
is really important. We are often obsessed with things like athlete availability and, and the capacity of athletes to continue to deliver physically and tactically and technically at impeccably high levels, and it's, it's a joy to watch athletes who can do that. What I think we've been so ill-equipped with and, and just underprepared or unwilling to address as openly as, as we need is the emotional and the mental and the, the psychological well-being of individuals so that they can not only be healthy people as they compete, and in that I think people would recognize that ultimately become better performers, but certainly preparing them to transition to a life outside of sport and giving the short duration of athletic careers. I just think that's, that's something that the performance community is beginning to take more seriously, and I'm, I'm appreciative of that. Completely agree. Um, not only did you, you MC today, uh, we've worked you to the bone, and you've earned your isosahedron badge that you're now wearing on your new blazer <laughs> with, with, with pride. Right. But um, Pierre from, from uh, Cirque du Soleil, uh, the artistic <coughs> director, um, incredibly impactful session, and, and Daniel, uh, you know, one of the one of the best poker players in the world, um, and ended the event today. You moderated both very two very very different sessions. Um, Pierre, take away from Pierre's session. What, what, you know, what do you think? <coughs> um, I think f for me and in speaking with Pierre, the the remarkable ability to bring such a level of um, fantastical, emotive but athletic performance to being to create something is, is one of the reasons that I just have such admiration for people like Pierre and performers who can do this and express and connect with the audience in such emotional ways. I, I've, I have always found an affinity with the performing arts and so much of it is because they do things outside of just their physical capabilities that somehow connect with my emotional self and I just think that's so powerful so listening to him describe the journey from inception of an idea all the way through to you know opening night was was terrific listening to his why of of ultimately wanting to um, he does what he does because he is inspired by the the artists that he works with and their ability to connect with people he just struck me as such a genuine, wholehearted person mm. that it was impossible to to not walk away feeling good about that session. Absolutely. And we were lucky enough to be in the car theatre yesterday uh, in the MGM yeah. Grand. And it was amazing. What, what a facility, what a, what a what an inspiring uh, setting to, to host the members' roundtables. Uh, and you know, Pierre is central to the success of, uh, the continued success of Cirque du Soleil. Uh, final session of the day. Uh, Daniel Negrano, who's a um, bit of a rock star in the poker world. Peter, I know you're a fan and you, you enjoyed moderating that. A um, couple of key thoughts from you on, on, on why that was so impactful and how that's related to, to sport as well. Well, I mean, Daniel's had a 20-year-plus career and he's now second most winningest you know, cash player of all time. And so <clears throat> here's a guy at the top of his field that has a long, sustained, successful career. And listening to his approach that I felt was full of not only intelligence and whip-smart you know, perspectives on things, but a, a, an honest humility about his willingness and desire to learn more about the game, to adapt to things that you know, new younger players that were maybe coming up on the online game were mm -hmm. learning. Mm -hmm. I thought that anytime a 20-year veteran 
feels that they have something to learn about their game, I find really pretty inspirational. Mm -hmm. And the fact that Negrano, with all he knows and all he's experienced, was able to articulate that so well, I thought was really powerful. Plus, look, here's a guy that, you know, as, as he described in, uh, in a game that very traditionally was full, to, full of fat guys smoking mm -hmm. cigars, eating donuts around the table, <laughs> you know, here's a guy that has realized through himself that um, in order to actually have the mental acuity to perform at the highest levels of his game, that care has to be taken about how to ultimately prepare his mind and his body for the duration of those events. And I, I, look, he, he, he was in some ways to me almost intimidating in that he was so intelligent and so fast that I, um, I just wanted to keep <laughs> up, you know, to be honest with you. Um, <clears throat> I, I really liked his response to my question around um, how or what could sporting organizations learn from the poker industry? And his response, as one would expect, was based on um, an understanding and belief and a commitment to analytical solutions to sport that are becoming more and more prevalent. I mean, clearly, as, as anyone will say, um, you know, data can't tell you the whole story, but using analytical solutions as a foundation of key decision making in high pressure, high stakes moments, whether that's a you know two million dollar poker pot or whether that's you know fourth and one in the Super Bowl, I think uh, Daniel did a really terrific job of describing how you know sport industry maybe could commit itself further to to that approach. Absolutely agree, and uh, he was he's very self aware uh, as well, and I think. Um, a very impressive speaker uh, in a very expensive suit as well, which you wouldn't uh, wouldn't wouldn't, wouldn't uh, put it past him being being a very successful well, poker player. Yeah. Um, no, Peter, really appreciate it. Uh, we're, we're wrapping up here at the UFC Performance Institute. Amazing facility. Uh, the guys were uh, kind enough to give tours of the facility, and I know a lot of the guys here uh, and the teams uh, have enjoyed looking around. Um, thanks to our partners, as always, to Kaiser. Um, great to have those guys here. Um, Peter, thank you for pulling it all together today and adding your expertise and commentary to every session. It's, it's been a pleasure. Um, next event on the calendar is May 21st at Manchester City uh, around mental well-being and following that our flagship event uh, is moving to Atlanta, um, which is currently Peter's hometown. That's right. Um, Go Atlanta we'll United. At, we'll be, exactly. We'll be at Mercedes-Benz Stadium on the 25th and 26th Can't of wait. June. Can't wait. I'll be there. Thanks, guys. Thank you. behind the scenes podcast time at the UFC Performance Institute we're back this time we've got a, a double dose of Cirque du Soleil um, I've grabbed Brian Bursey head of performance science and also Paul McGinley director of performance medicine okay. correct excellent uh, guys we've just uh, just come away from the theatre uh, a couple of drinks down Brian as well I think um, <laughs> just just we're trying to go obviously review the day and, and pick up some of his key takeaways as well uh, so I'll start with you first Brian um, biggest lesson you learned today would you say well, I think there are two things that stuck out to me today. Uh, the first is what attracted me to leaders, you know, when I started with uh, joining with the organization a few years ago, uh, in that the group that was here, um, a real genuine group that was not just about high-performance sport, but high-performing people uh, in high-performing organizations. It was a really diverse group. Um, and it was a very safe environment, so I felt like uh, we were able to get through a lot of good stuff today. Um, but probably the, the topic that touched the most was that 
we talk about being athlete-centered a lot of times, but there was a lot of discussion about how we're taking care of ourselves and our teams mm -hmm. and is our organization uh, well and aligned in order to be able to that we're really then having the impact we want on our athletes. Yeah, excellent. And Paul, your, your turn. What was the big takeaway from today? I think resonating what Brian's just said, that, that idea uh, of how we work and take care of ourselves as performing teams is, is, is kind of critical. I also, it's really an element of what you guys put together here at Leaders, that often you'll have a concept of what you might hear or think you're going to hear within a session, and actually when it comes to it, I, I invariably find myself taking something away I hadn't expected, partly because of the diversity of what you put on the table. I think mm -hmm. the, you know, hearing from a high-performance chef, uh, hearing from a, a brigadier general in, in the military and realising that their um, environments have similarities but differences helps you make connections to concepts or ideas that you may not achieve because it's making you think laterally. And so uh, I really enjoyed a number of those, those presentations and uh, today particularly um, an interesting consideration from working with the chef was the idea of mentorship, but having the third party within that relationship, the, the um, motivated um, worker who creates a different relationship between the junior person and the expert person and how that can really truly change the dynamic of, of working. Uh, so uh, that for me was absolutely fascinating. Yeah, no, it's great, and uh, you know we we're, we've got a massive thank you for you guys as well. For, for, we had a great day yesterday at the uh, at the car theatre in the MGM Grand, and I mean, talk about high performing environments. I mean, you don't really get much better than that as well. But I know you guys in particular very very good post summit debriefing what you've learned, um, Brian. I know you, you've shared plenty of things with me in the past about you know what you took back. So I'm interested to know what's on your mind right now. What questions are you asking yourself? post that I know we talk about key takeaways but what's, what's that question what's that curiosity in the back of your mind well first of all I mean it's interesting that you brought up debriefing because that was the, the, the next thing I kind of had in my pocket when you when you're talking about what stuck out and I think there was a lot of uh, intention today around discussions to take that moment in in debrief and learn uh, you know Jay and Duncan in their session talked about people in process and that process has to include that loop of debriefing, learning, adjusting and setting priorities and I think that that's something uh, that at least it connects to to our day-to-day -day world. I mean, are, are our priorities aligned? How do we go back and connect that to our team? How do we make sure that they're seeing what we're trying to do? Um, so that's something, uh, you know, that we try and carry with us for sure. Mm, Say for you, Paul, as well, obviously it's a slightly different role to Brian's, whether you interpret it in a slightly different way to that. Yeah, so we had really interesting conversations in the round tables about um, coaching and the concept of how coaching may change. And, and for me, therefore, coaching is not simply the, the um, responsibility of coaches, because as a, as a medical service provider, we coach our patients. And I find interesting comparisons between uh, or, or challenges sometimes where therapists forget that they coach their patients uh, and that means that's an important part of their role and don't realize that those are leadership behaviors they're exhibiting that could be applied in a wider business context. So there was definitely a, a recurring theme through the, through the conversations today of thinking about the skills that you're doing and how you as a team are ready um, to, to exhibit the behaviors you would like to see that's not simply what you're expecting of your athletes or in our case your artists but is instead what you're expecting of your teams and staff and an overriding question that I have been thinking about in the last couple of weeks but sits with me reinforced today is when I go back to my teams about what motivates them. 
And a reason, there is a reason for it, because I think I've assumed I know what motivates them. But mm. I don't know that I've ever asked. I often ask, what are you hoping for? Where are you going? But I haven't truly understood the nature of why they're even where they are now, what brought them to that point. So for me, that's been a really interesting aspect of how we are going to learn to uh, develop the same behaviours in our staff as we expect from, from our, our athletes or our artists. Yeah, that's brilliant as well. And um, Brian, I believe you made your moderating debut today. It was. It was your debut as well. Obviously, you you moderated the session with with Duncan French, who's uh, obviously performance director here at UFC, and also Jay Mellett, who both of you guys know really well from your your time at Cirque as well. Now, I know you did a lot of prep on the the session as well, looking at, you know, this holistic approach to performance and interdisciplinary teams, etc. I mean, sitting up there on stage with the guys, what really resonated with you from that session, in your Uh, opinion? Wow. Um, You know, those guys have... uh, you know, the, the theme around that talk uh, was this idea where they're now leading teams for holistic services, yet they're coming from completely different reference points. So this idea of still having, uh, they're so prepared and they're so thoughtful and they're so focused on their people, uh, ensuring that they've got the right people, that they uh, enable them, that they set up an environment for their success, that they're constantly auditing and challenging that group. Um, you know, that's something that I think has allowed them to continue to be successful. Um, you know, and I, I want to connect that to what Pierre said, you know, later in the day in that uh, understanding the why, yeah. you know, from Pierre's point when he talked about how does uh, a, an athlete become an artist and this uh, bringing the emotion to the, to the process, it's understanding the why behind what you do. Do you, did you need to do that double? Why did you do that double? And how does that connect? So I think for Jay and Duncan, I go back to that and say, I think they also are very focused with their team. Why do we do things? And are we doing it right? Um, and, and how are we going to continue to push that? Anything to add to that, Paul? Just on, uh... Yes, I think in those two people, you've got some uh, two people who are phenomenally uh, capable at distilling concepts down into tangible statements that can give you something to aim for or aspire uh, towards. And that in itself is powerful. You know, we all, you'll hear regularly about people needing to have values within which you're working and setting goals. They're consistent themes you hear across high-performing uh, teams. But I found that the way that they uh, outlined how they work with their teams and the, the way that they were so able to succinctly describe their environment, their challenges, their strategy, how they are consistent with that was, was really quite uh, important and encouraging as a reminder for, for how to re- consolidate your messages and make sure that you really truly are able to get the best out of the people that work with you. Mm, definitely. Now, I know, Brian, you're off to the fight. I Paul, am. you're off to a show. <laughs> so I really appreciate your time, guys. And uh, it's, been, it's been a great couple of days. And, you know, we, we really appreciate all your your support over the last um, you know day and a half especially and you know make it really feel like a Vegas experience so a uh, big thank you for us and hopefully see you in Atlanta indeed thanks for having thanks, me thanks guys <laughs>